0: This is the Black and Gold Panerat Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. What is up? Happy pre-Thanksgiving week. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here on the Black and Gold Panerat Podcast. We are loaded, despite the fact that we have, you know, as the Fall sports equinox winds down. The intensity of what we have left is going up. uh We've got uh, football to talk about. We've got basketball to talk about. Kyle Nash is going to join us a little bit later. We got volleyball heading down the stretch. We got soccer in the NCAA College Cup. Lots of stuff to talk about, Eric. How are you going to fit this all in? That's,
1: uh by not sleeping, obviously, or having a morning kickoffs to make I have uh, give us more time. That helps.
0: I well, yeah, we'll talk about. Let's open with that. UCF taking on Navy, of course. Uh, at 11 a.m. on Saturday, make sure that you bring your breakfast tailgate items for, uh, for that. So let's, let's go ahead and dive right in after UCF got <laughs> what I think Eric was their biggest win of the season to this point in New Orleans against Tulane, who was all alone in first place in the American That game was essentially for control of the conference and UCF gets the 38 31 win in rather windy conditions in New Orleans, but uh, JRP was back. UCF gets that all-important dub in, uh, in a fashion that I think was really encouraging to see. They ran the ball well, especially in the fourth quarter. And that sets up the following situation for UCF football. Two games to go, home against 3-6 and six Navy at 1-9 and nine South Florida. If UCF wins those two games, they will host conference championship games. On December the 3rd so the situation is laid out for the Knights quite clearly but that also comes with its own challenges and its own pressures and I guess that's where we should start right there Eric is is there now a different kind of pressure on this team that that now that they are in the in the driver's seat in the American with two opponents that they will be favored against significantly left favored. on this let Left on the schedule, but, you know, this is, I know you laugh at me all the time when I have this sort of paranoid feeling about this kind of stuff, but you just never know what you're going to get. Well, the Navy game in
1: particular is a tricky game because it's uh, unique, their style of play. It's going to be a quick game, a lot of short, short possessions, you know, you're not going to have the normal amount of uh, possessions that you have in a normal game because Navy likes is very good at shorting the game. So you got to be efficient. Got to be efficient. Got to be better in the red zone offensively. Cannot waste possessions against Navy. You don't want to play from behind against Navy either. So you got to get off to a good start. You got an eleven a.m. kick uh, at home. It is Senior Day. I think that'll help. But look, you're in a great spot. If you would have, if you would have told Gus Malzahn and UCF at the beginning of the year. You've got a chance to host a conference championship game, and to do that, you got to beat Navy at home and win at South Florida. You take it. You sign up on that a hundred times out of a hundred. So it's a it's a very manageable situation. Uh, the line of scrimmage was better. It was dominated Tulane. They're going to have to do that against Navy in this game. I think to be the key, and you know to build that confidence for John Rice Plumley, who I think has a chance to not only be the quarterback this year. But be the quarterback next year. And I think that's a big part of why he is the quarterback, because I think he gives him the best chance to possibly win this year and has him the best chance to win next year. I think Gus is playing for this year and next year with JRP, and it might pay off uh, in the long run uh, if they get to the cotton bowl.
0: Well, this is going to be pretty interesting here coming into this game. UCF is a 16 and a half point favorite, 74% of the money is on Navy. Us the six point sixteen point five, according to odd shark, over under is 53, which is relatively low. Um, uh, overall, but uh, you, you know, you mentioned JRP, you know, we saw what UCF was able to do, and this is one of the uh, little Gus has been doing is revealing new parts of the offense at e times to the opponent's defense, thing, but also you know, matching up well. Last week against Tulane, UCF came into that game. We saw it actually fairly early. Tulane's strength on defense was their secondary, their pass defense. Um, they're the top pass defense in the American. And the idea for UCF was, we, yeah, we'll try and loosen them up a little bit. The bread and butter is going to come at you. Eventually, it's going to be running the ball. We saw that with JRP. He came back from being out a game and a half and had, a, had broke the school record for rushing yards in a single game by a quarterback in the first 10 minutes of the game. And that was key, right? We knew that Tulane was, could be had on the ground. And that's exactly what UCF was able to do. This game's a little bit different though, Eric, because I was going through my, you know, uh, the, my um, stats to try and, you know, scout this thing out. Cause you know, I got, I got a piece that I read about, know your foe that's coming out this week. Navy is all over the place on the rankings they are first in the American in rushing defense they only allow 86 yards a game on the ground but they give up 274.3 through the air that's 116th in the country so to me the avenue to attack them is through the air and if you're going to you know, it, people are always concerned about JRP throwing the ball. I get it. But if you're going to throw, if you're going to, you know, build some confidence throwing the ball as we head toward the conference champion, hopefully the conference championship in the bowl game, what better way to do it against a team that's 116th in the country at defending the pass? Sure.
1: Uh, now, some of those stats, you got to be careful with You know, a lot of teams try to throw early on Navy because, you know, again, you don't, you know, you're not going to have a lot of possessions you also have a situation in where Navy tries to really take out the run. They put a lot of people on the box. Uh, their secondary is probably their weak spot too from watching them play. So they're But you're right. They got to throw the ball. He's going to have to throw the ball. JRP is going to have to win a game at some point with his arm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily this Saturday. I think it might be the conference championship game. Definitely the New Year's six bowl game when they play an actual quality opponent, maybe. I don't know. Penn State, Washington, ain't that great? Um. So... I think it's going to be, yeah, I mean, we'll see how he you know can get to that level of throwing the ball. But again, if the line plays as well as they did, it's not going to matter because they have holes, man. They they just ran all over Tulane. The offensive line did a heck of a job there creating the holes uh, for them. So this is a physicality game. Who wins the battle in the trenches in this game will win this game. I, I think we can, we can throw all the numbers we want. This is a really simple game. Who, um, who controls the line of scrimmage? Can UCF contain the Navy running game? You're not going to shut them down. They're going to run a lot, but contain them. Hold they are them to, going to
0: run in spite of themselves. Right. Can you hold them <laughs> at three yards a carry? Or are
1: you getting gashed like you got gashed last year? And then also you got to be sound on the special teams. What cost UCF the matchup against Navy last year? Their special teams had multiple breakdowns, turnovers. Those are things that killed you. And that's how Navy was able to beat them last year
0: yeah yeah that's absolutely right uh j r p right now this year two thousand yards passing and he's coming up close on a thousand yards rushing he's at seven hundred yards rushing right now, but you know he has a couple more games like that you know he's he's gonna have a two thousand one thousand season he's he could, i i would but i i agree with you i would like to see j r p you know possibly win the game with his arm if you know navy decides to stack the box you know take advantage of those numbers um Yeah, This is, uh, and this is the other thing, this is a different Navy team than we're used to. Um, You know, the rules changes, and and Drew talked about this before, the rules changes regarding blocking below the waist, I think, have really hurt Navy overall, you know, in terms of what they like to do. The other thing, though, I wanted, and I wanted to, you know, run this by you as well. Let's give Navy's defense credit. Uh, they, you know, so far this season have been stout against the run in, in, in keeping with their game plan, 10th against, uh, or, 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 uh, well, like we said, 85 point, but also, you know, offensively, you know, like they, like I said, they are going to run in spite of themselves. Um, what is the situation for this defense? You know, I mean, UCF's defensive line has been very strong, but you know, I always, I always have concerns when we play Navy because remember when we talked to Trey Neal a couple years ago about the 2017 team and he said like they, they were never the same after they played Navy because they do all the cut blocking and it's the only way that they can run this triple O thing. And they, they, the next week they gave up 33 points to Austin P even though they scored 73. Right. And you know, they, they, Navy just has the has the ability well, gotta be to hire you
1: out up sure. front, right? Well, you got to be disciplined defensively because you're not used to playing that scheme that Navy runs in practice. So it's something you only practice once a year for. You do get beat up a little bit physically. The good news is UCF has a bye week after this game, so they don't have to worry about the any opponents. Don't go saying that. No, but in all seriousness, they don't have to play Black Friday. So they're going to get an extra day. So actually playing on Saturday night is going to help them there. Uh, not to mention they're playing. Well, let's league. not
0: call it a bye week because let's. All right, let's a high school
1: it. team. You're playing a high school team. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty confident that you know Popka could beat to give USF a game oh or beat them. But anyway, uh, look, Navy's going to play hard. I do think Navy can. what you the 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 nightmare scenario is if you're in the fourth quarter and it's a one possession game because you will feel yeah. pressure. You asked about whether they will feel the pr- I don't think players feel the pressure until you get to like the fourth quarter and it's a one possession game it's like oh boy we better figure this out because again yeah. the nervous thing about playing navy is they literally can have a possession at the like 12 minute mark of the fourth quarter and you may not get the ball back for like seven minutes eight minutes yeah that's yeah. the that's the thing the game goes quick it The equivalent was when you played those great Princeton teams in college basketball. Remember the Pete Carrill teams, Mm -hmm. they would just eat the clock, the shot clock, the backdoor. You next thing, you know, there's two minutes left in the game. Like, wait a minute, it's a one point game. What
0: we just started. How are we, how are we down three points with two minutes to go and they're just going to burn, you know, that they're going to burn a minute and a half of that two minutes left on the clock. Right. Right. And
1: that's the danger in this game is if you let them hang around
0: Nate you know all of a sudden
1: it's like man how do we catch up to these guys can we get a stop can we get Mm -hmm. we have to score you know that's where the that's the to me that's the danger in this game
0: yeah yeah so um guys at 11 a.m uh quite a bit of consternation in the fan base about that kickoff time your thoughts
1: I love it can we do this more often like I would go to more games (laughs) if we had 11 a.m kicks look here's the thing that's overrated what's the difference between 11 a.m and noon one hour, right? hour, yeah. What, like, would you not go to a noon game? And I think, in a way, this is kind of a prelude to what you're going to get in the Big Twelve, because you're going to get more noon games when you're in the Big Twelve conference. So you might as well get used to the early time. This is the slot that the American has this week. That's their primary pos- uh, uh slot. Uh, part of it is, I think, because ESPN, what what ESPN is trying to do this weekend is they're trying to fill up as much football on ESPN, ESPN2, and ABC because you have college basketball starting. So a lot of the college basketball this weekend is going to be on the less, quote, ESPNU or an SEC network, AC. So the slots that normally would be available for football, some of those are not going to be available because of basketball. So as a result, ESPN2, for example, this weekend is doing four games in one day. They usually do three.
0: Yeah, So quadruple and- header. Right, wow.
1: so as a result, UCF gets the 11 a.m. slot. I actually think it's a positive. There's not a lot of football games in that slot. The big threat, you're gonna, yes, you're going against College Game Day, but whatever. Game Day's three hours. You could flip the channel. And I actually think they might. It'll be, I'm really interested to see if they draw better numbers than they have the last couple of games, which aired at 3:30 on ESPN. Two, the the Tulane game drew 368,000 viewers. Memphis was 331. Is it not? That's not great. I actually think this is a better, from an eyeball standpoint on television, it's a better slot than 330. Because 330, you're usually going against the marquee SEC game. You're going against some other big games. I, I think they might draw pretty well. Plus, Navy always draws pretty well. Um, they have a
0: national audience.
1: Correct. So I, I think they might draw well. And by the way, it's your last regular season home game. Like It's a one-hour difference. I don't think it's big as big of a deal as others make it out to be. But I understand, look, college football fans, not just UCF, but college football fans like the night games. They like to tailgate the whole day. I get it. Um, but like I said, I personally like it selfishly because I'm out of there by 3 o'clock and I can still have a full day. It's pretty nice. Better than being there at 3 in the morning like you guys were for the Boise game last year.
0: Well, that was we had to stay that way. That wasn't our fault. Like, right. I, I mean, uh, we didn't get... I mean, what's in our fault that the rain, ha- that the thunderstorm happened, right? But, but this is a little bit different. So UCF is the first kickoff of the day. Get this. Here's your, here's your full TV schedule. ABC has a triple header. Fox Network, triple header. Quadruple header on ESPN. Quadruple header on ESPN2. Triple header on ESPNU. Quadruple header on FS1 triple header on sec network triple header on pac-12 network quadruple header on cbs sports network it's
1: a busy day well and the other thing is too because it's the next to last week of the regular season there's very few teams if any have bye weeks so yeah this is actually thing. so yeah. these next two weeks you've you're packed as far as a lot of football games the difference is next week you have black friday that you could spread out some of those games you don't have that luxury this week
0: but we had like three but for example we had two Mac games on Tuesday and three on Wednesday, you know, and it was wild. Like some of these games, we have a one game, only one game on Thursday, but that's because the NFL kind of eats everything up, believe it or not. It's an AAC game between SMU and Tulane Uh, Friday. You have an AAC game between South Florida and Tulsa at nine o'clock.
1: Oh, Uh, and then a 940, I'll I'll be watching something
0: else. Uh, And then a nine forty-five kick, uh, on FS1 between San Diego State and New Mexico. Have uh, fun
1: mountain west. hey the mountain west
0: you exist. I I, our, well, hey our our boy Dan Helley actually calling that game, a former Channel 9 uh, sports anchor here in okay. here in town. So, um now the the uh, one other thing I want to get to before we move is is the college football playoff rankings. Oh boy. I know, but UCF comes in at number 20 only one spot ahead of Tulane at 21. And Cincinnati is now in the top 25, but lurking at 25. And remember, which, you know, you have emphasized, we both have emphasized. Remember, it's the top-ranked Group of Five conference champ Mm -hmm. that goes to the New Year's Six Bowl. I think that this was kind of a very, uh, you know, a, a, a... a very convenient ranking for the committee, shall we say, to put the top three teams in the American, uh, all of which, by the way, are tied officially in the ranking, in the standings, even though UCF has the tiebreaker over Cincinnati and Tulane. Uh, all three of them in the top 25 as we head into the final two weeks. Remarkable how convenient that was.
1: Well, look, if you're Mike Oresco, you're smiling. I mean, they have lopped the field. Like, there is not even a whisper about anybody else outside of the america there's no talk about i don't know Sun who belts.
0: else you would yeah i don't coastal know who carolina
1: else coastal carolina has one loss one loss and nobody cares uh because they're irrelevant because the american is the sec of the g5 they are they have the. they have a better tv deal than the mountain west that's for sure better deal than the Sun Belt. better deal than conference usa better deal they are the league and i know yeah people are going to say they're, are they going to take a hit of course they're going to take a hit losing ucf cincinnati uh and houston however i still think they're going to be the heavy favorites in years to come with programs like smu and tulane and then some of the members they're bringing in they are the team the conference that will be the favorites every year to represent the league in the new year's six bowl game and in the playoff i think there's a significant gap in the leagues. And I don't think that's changing overnight. So if you're Mike Oresko, you're happy about that. As far as UCF's concerned, you just win, baby, just win. As our good late friend Costa seg advisor would say, just win. You win out, you're going to cotton bowl. You don't yeah. win out. You're probably going to go to the military bowl or something like that, but so you win it's in your control. That's what you want. And no, it doesn't matter that Florida state's ranked 19th doesn't matter. Florida, I, I, Florida state is not playing for the cotton bowl slot for with UCF. All right. I understand it gets petty trash talking, whatever doesn't matter. UCF, all they got to worry about win out the next three games. You're going to the cotton bowl in new Year's six, uh, to play either a Penn state yeah. or a Washington or whoever. And,
0: and Florida state's going to the belt Bowl. You know, no, they're point. going to the, che- <laughs> they're going to one of the cheesehead bowls in Orlando
1: or the gator bowl. Uh, I did call the FSU jump in UCF though. I thought it, it should have happened last week. I don't know why it happened this week. It seems like we have delayed voting. Uh, I have no issues with it. Florida State did beat LSU, which probably looks pretty good win right now, and beat Louisville. So I have no issues with it. But it doesn't matter because UCF is not competing with FSU as you brought up. They're competing with the Tulanes and Cincinnati. Take care of Navy. Take care of South Florida. Yep. And then you're hopefully at that point you're hosting the conference title game where you're going to be a favorite take care of that. And you're going to the cotton ball. That's it. Simple. Don't have to worry about anything else.
0: Beat a team that you likely will have already beaten, you know, probably Cincinnati
1: or Tulane if you take care of business. Correct.
0: Right. So, all right. Uh, And, uh, and I do want to, as we wrap up second one here, you did bring up one thing that I want to mention before we go. Um, This has been a rough year for uh, the Twitter mafia, UCF, and a lot of us and a lot of you who have, you know, interacted with us and we interact together, you know, we lost Lynn cheek earlier this year. Uh, and then unexpectedly this past week we lost James Reed cost seg advisor was his handle on Twitter. Um, he was always very active and he was very supportive of us. Um, right from the very beginning, you know, found us early, shared our content. A lot of the time, uh, you know, had a lot of discussions with me, Eric, uh, you know, drew Kyle, a lot of us on social media was always very supportive uh, I met James in person a couple times, um, and, and he was always so warm and friendly. and uh, and, and, I, and unfortunately, he passed away this past week, um, rather suddenly. Uh, and you know, it, it's it's hard to see. It, it, this is kind of a weird post COVID world that we're in, right? I mean, I mean it's car- you know, we're, a lot of us have interacted on social more so than in person, which. You know, it's great because you meet new friends, but then all of a sudden, you know, this is gone. And I'm going to miss James terribly. uh, And I wanted to, you know, thank him for the support that he gave our site, uh, especially in the early in the early times, uh, you know, around, you know, as we were building up, you know, when it was actually was originally just you and me, Eric. Right. And then Murph came on and um And, and James interacted with us and and helped us out a lot. And, and James, we, you know, wherever you may be, if you're listening, (laughs) um, you know, thank you for all you did for us. We will miss you always. And to his family, our hearts go out to them. And uh, and it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, to kind of fathom that. And, you know, but we hope that you, uh, we hope that he knew how important he was to us. And
1: positive guy, too. Like always positive about all the UCF teams. Had those funny graphics he would post there. With the, he was uh, he was, uh, he, was a, he
0: was a a ninja in terms of like yeah. creating, you know, uh, f- photoshopping stuff, memes and gifs and everything. He was great.
1: He was uh, a one of a kind. Uh, was always on our night shift shows. Questions and uh, was yeah. spooky for me is I literally had spoken to him two days before his passing. Like we were talking. About women's soccer and, and mm-hmm. you know some debate back and forth, which won't we'll get into on in the soccer. Uh, which by the way, we'll talk later. Women's soccer quieted some uh, to kind of put up there and uh, quieted some other people there. But anyway, <laughs> it, but he was another example about you know being such a positive guy. He was supportive of softball. He went to the left field lounge last year for a few games. It was um, he's uh he was a, one of the top fans and, and really a great representation of a fan uh, the fan for UCF and. Uh, it it was really weird. We honored him on night shift. We called the chat room on night shift in honor of him after him. And we'll continue to do that on night shift. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my thoughts are with the family there and, uh, everybody, he, he left a heck of an impact. And the fact that a lot of people felt his loss tells you what a heck of a person he was. And, and yeah, impact he had.
0: I saw him the last time I saw him in person, I believe was at the charge on tour in Oviedo right down from my house. And, uh, it was good to see him there. We talked for a while and, and um, yeah, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him a lot. I know you're going to miss him. We're all going to miss him very much. So James, we love you. We miss you. Thank you for the, for the, the light and the joy that you brought to us. And um, tell Lynn we said hi. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. It's the Black and Gold Panerat Podcast. We are back. On the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, Jeff sharing along with you. Eric has dipped out for a little bit. So in his stead, the student of the game, Kyle Nash is in the house. What's up, dude?
2: Hey, listen, the price of fame for Elo. He had to handle. I get it. You know, all in good fun. I'm here. But listen, always an honor, joy and privilege to bring it in at the better. But by the way. It was a fun time also writing a preview for this game because the real challenge in my opinion for Gus Malzahn as a coach is yet to actually come now that he's actually beaten Tulane in what could have been the toughest remaining game on the schedule. Right?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I let's, let's talk about this a little bit because like interesting you use the term tough there mm-hmm. because yeah, like Eric and I talked about in the previous segment, Navy's three and six, but One of the things I like to always say about Navy is they don't play football. (laughs) Uh, They play some odd derivative of it, uh, which, you know, it's talk to anyone who's played him, including, you know, we've talked, I mentioned Eric, you know, we talked to Trey Neal about 2017. He said, we were, our defense was never the same after that Navy game because we were just so exhausted and that's what they do to you. So
2: Jemias uh, would tell you the same thing. He told me something like that when I actually uh, interviewed him that year. Mm -hmm. So there you go.
0: Yeah. So we'll put it to you. I mean, Kyle, before we get to hoops, um, you've uh, you were in the press conference with Coach Malzahn. What did he say about this game in terms of UCF's preparation for it? Because it's kind of unusual to play them this late in the year. Right. And this is the first game where UCF has a lot on the line.
2: Yeah. And, 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 you know, honestly, it's it's reminiscent of the last time Navy came to town. Right. You know, that was the last time there was, I think, a noon start or earlier in the case of the 11 a.m. this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that that's unique, too. And he and Anthony Montalvo both cited that you got to have your technique 100 percent correct. But what what Gus said that was particularly interesting to me was he had cited that they had peppered in time to practice for Navy throughout the year, since the summer, his, the direct quote, and you could see uh, more fully what he says. If you check out the, uh, the preview on the black and gold manner that dropped uh, yesterday. So there's that. But um, the fact that it, th- th- now he didn't say this exactly. Cause he's not going to something, something game plan, blah, blah, but. What what I what I kind of read from it is that they've been peppering in time throughout practices since you know summer. Hey, we got a little time. Let's look at the option. Let's let's play against it. And, and different teams have handled it different ways, uniquely. Right, going back to twenty seventeen, Scott Frost actually suited up. You know, mm-hmm. very appropriate that Timmy McLean, a mobile guy uh, who's in there at the scout team, the USF transfer, is in there um, to help provide the defense with that look as well.
0: Did they they say that McLean was running the option for the scout team?
2: And, you know, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Brandon Helwig actually asked that question directly. And that, uh, that was the response we got is that he was a big part of the preparation process here. Hmm. And, you know, I I mentioned Montalvo specifically, obviously they're looking to avoid cut blocks because I'll tell you what, if I'm Malzahn and I just got through a year last year that I did where I had a mash unit of guys, my defensive front, being injured like they were last year, facing a group that's fond of cut blocking this late in the year is incredibly problematic. Um, You know, maybe they could still win the USF game, but with a looming rematch, potentially, if all goes well in the best-case scenario of Cincinnati or Tulane, I want as many guys healthy up front as possible.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about playing them. is like because they cut block, and and I remember Trey talking with us about this. All day, it's just up-downs basically to try and you know you have to get down to protect your knees and and it's exhausting it's exhausting for three and a half hours um or however long the game lasts because you know if if navy holds on to the ball sometimes it goes rather quickly as eric and i were talking about so (laughs) all right well that's well that's interesting so um so yeah kickoff will be 11 a.m saturday ucf against navy uh senior day and we'll be announcing the uh senior uh Players as they come on out for one final time on the uh, on the home field, at least in the regular season, uh, heading into uh, this this two game stretch. And if again if UCF wins these last two home ga- these last two games, i almost ready slipped there and said last two home games. Uh, yeah. Some people are going to say though, that's home games.
2: Did you though, Jeff? Did yeah, you? Yeah. Did I? Know?
0: <laughs> Good question. I mean, when these last two games, they host a conference title game. So, all right. Speaking of hosting. Let's move over to hoops, Kyle Nash, because you have been all over UCF men's and women's hoops to start. And, hey, good starts for both squads, right? I want to start with the uh, women's team, since they actually played the most recently. They played Tuesday night at Gamble. First, they got uh, 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 the win last uh, Monday uh, over Winthrop by 40 points, which is exactly what you want to see. Um, their game against Mercer Thursday was canceled, but they played their first road game at Campbell up in Bowie Creek, North Carolina. Uh, at, uh, and this was uh, much more of a challenge than they were thinking. But UCF gets out of there with a very tight victory. 62-60 uh, was the final um, for UCF. Didn't really shoot particularly well in this game, 38%, 22 of 57. Um, But the key for the Knights, they had uh, double figures from uh, Layla Jewett, who had 12 points to go with six assists and three rebounds. Uh, Desto, Destiny Thomas, had a not a great shooting night, but still came up with nine points and nine boards. Her nine rebounds led the team. Ten and five for Taylor Gibson. A
2: double double. She was awful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know uh and and sierra godbolt who i thought was a real key she has settled in nicely as the point guard i think it's probably a matter of time before maybe we see her running the show in the starting lineup i don't know but uh four of seven from the field two uh one assist, nine points three steals defensively she was everywhere uh and uh and they got the job and as close as this game was you know ucf kind of went back and forth they had a lead at the end of three but then Campbell, you know, who's in the Big South now. Both these teams used to be in the A-Sun back in the day. We're old enough to remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, came back and and made a game. But I think it's, regardless of the opponent, you know, I'm still a fan of getting a road win against an unfamiliar foe, you know, in a tight game. Like, that to me is like the ultimate, like, you know, character-building game, right, is winning on the road, uh, in non-conference play in a close game.
2: Yeah, and no, all those are great observations. And and I got to tell you, first of all, the surprise that jumps off to me is, is is Taylor Gibson, the Michigan transfer, handling her business, her first point game in double digits, sharing time down low with Desto. Um, You know, Brianna Hardy came on big, their last game um against Winthrop op- to open the season. You know, so it's good to see that their post players, you can get double digits from anywhere on the floor, and that's what TMS is looking for when she's coaching her strategy, no question. Um, the other thing I got to point out, too, is, is for those fans that were super concerned you know, about 60-60 and all that, listen, if the opposing team shoots well, which Campbell clearly did, you're gonna see situations like this where they're gonna they're gonna battle more than normal, right? Yeah. This team they didn't put up 33 point attempts like they did last time. They only shot 12, but only hitting four of them. They were at least smart enough to move away from it. That I will say. Yeah. Um, you know, for my money, for, in these games when you don't have a team that can physically dominate as much as others, like they lost the rebounding battle, for example, Jeff, when's the last time this team has done that? You know?
0: So I say all that does concern me though. I mean, to be fair.
2: Yeah. And it is concerning, but what what you could also be uplifted by at the same time. And like you said, listen, I think it's more that, that Campbell came on hot late than anything else and they were able to hold them off. But in a group like this, that has the injuries that they do. Right. You know, Nay Hutton, Asia Todd, we could go down the list of injuries that they have, and they're still pulling out wins that are gritty like this when maybe they weren't the more physical team. Uh, if again, if you're a fan following this, you are not used to this stat line, but the fact it still comes away a W credit to Satya Messer, credit to this coaching staff, credit to the players' resolve to still get the job done.
0: Yeah. Well now they come up with uh, uh, uh starting off here again or they're coming back home I should say. Uh on the schedule, Louisiana Monroe comes in on Tuesday. Uh and this is a ULM team that had to comp- that's completely retooled itself. Um last year they were bad, uh 4 and 25, 0 and 14 uh in the Sun Belt. Um but you know they this year they are coming off of uh, a, a couple of interesting results here. I'm pulling up, I pull up their schedule because I wanted to catch on. They're two and one on the year right now, and uh, they just hung hundred and three points on Centenary. Yes, I know it's it, it's Centenary, but uh, but that's that's a lot of
2: points. Centenary, man. Like sedentary. Anyway,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, they played. Uh, also played Louisiana Tech. Lost by fifteen at home, but. Um, and they have one more game on Saturday against central Arkansas before playing UCF. So um, this is another opportunity to try and, you know, kind of organize some things, you know, figure out uh, a couple of units. I think that, it, it, but so far, you know, I, I want to get your take on, you know, how coach Messer in your opinion has worked to get this team kind of, it, 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 just, just kind of get the pieces together and figure out, you know, what they, what they have, because I think this is going to be a a recurring theme as we had, um, you know, through, you know, November and into December, um, you know, they do have Auburn and Seton Hall, Tennessee, but, you know, coming up next week, Samford, Southeast Missouri state, Sam Houston. uh, And then they have Idaho state, Elon, Texas Southern before conference play begins. So, um, you know, some sort of figuring things out games before, you know, sandwiched around, some big opponents, right?
2: Yeah, you know, absolutely. And listen, all I can tell you is with the program, the state that it was in with Destiny Thomas looking like Will Smith in the last episode of Fringe, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? No <laughs> one else in the apartment but her that was a starter, you know, taking away from, taking nothing away from Ashton Verholtz, please, or or, or Asia Todd or Layla Jewett or, or any of them, but like amongst the starters. And for Satya Messer to come in to not only – Snag quality Big 12 recruits, but then also get freshmen, Jeff, that are seeing time in the starting lineup like Brianna Hardy, or that are finding double digits like Sierra Godbolt, who, who, Returners Abound have said is one of the tougher players at the team. And yet she's also one of the few that are below 5'10. Figure that out. It's kind of like, I'm not saying diamond battles, but that's the mold, right? But uh, uh, listen. It, the, the recruiting is just where it starts, Jeff. I can't tell you necessarily the secrets. I'm not in practice, but what I can tell you is Coach Messer and her staff and the ladies themselves, credit to them, have found chemistry. They move the ball pretty well. Uh, the, the big concern, obviously, has been turnovers. They uh, lowered that number in this past game with Campbell. 14 is probably still a bit high for coaches' taste, but mm-hmm. it sure beats 20. You know, yeah. so they're trending downward there and to your point jeff this is about ladies settling in at their spots again godbolt hardy both freshmen both i should uh, they're not both freshmen they're both new players is what i should say new newer players and still making the impact that they are I, I mean beyond impressive and honestly even if they had lost 62 to 60 looking at the stat line you kind of expect it Right. But still, nonetheless, turning this into a win is a big deal. And yeah, Sierra is a freshman. I misread that, but good. I was right the first time.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that's important is, you know, when you have a group that is so new, you know, you have to re-figure out how to win all over again. It's
2: so new, Jeff. And they, and there's, as far as talent goes, I think they're far more versatile than last year's team. You know, say what you will, but the, the 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 group the 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 ladies you were trying to replace in Britney Buckets, Diamond Battles, and um, Tay Sanders, and of course, um, um, uh, Massanika. But listen, you replaced some of them, not completely. Like it's not a carbon copy. But Maya Burns is Tay Sanders. We're good there. You know, yeah. I can make an argument that uh, um, the, the their three point shooting threat might be the best in the program if it keeps up i I don't know the history well enough to declare that but i'm pretty confident they're going to compete you know it's been a minute (laughs) so right exactly and 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 again listen you know for a fact if you listen to me at all preach about 90s basketball that i love coach abe's style but coach messer coming in i'll put it this way and i don't say this to uh demean johnny dawkins but he had told us that he was looking for versatile basketball last year some nights he got it some nights he didn't, but I can guarantee you with Coach Messer, what she's doing for this team is the same vision that Coach Dawkins has, and these ladies are putting it together in such a fashion so far.
0: Great segue, by the way, because we what? move over to the men's side, and they're 2-1 right now. Um, coming off of two big wins uh, since our last show. Remember, we were all worried after the UNC Asheville game. Uh, the double overtime loss, ninety eight ninety five. What do they do? They come in on Friday and beat Florida State at home, sixty eight fifty four. By the way, Darren Green Jr. and Florida State. I should mention, um, and you know, and it, it using a formula that you mentioned. You know, in talking about the women, versatile basketball players, right? Right. uh once they figured it it took them a little bit if it took them that Asheville game to kind of figure things out and then they got tired and I think that's what happened. but in this game three players in double figures Jalen Young Taylor Hendricks Ethel Horton seven to 15 from three-point range but most importantly the rebound out rebounded Florida State 52 to 22 in fact UCF had 52 points and held Florida State to, or had 52 rebounds, I should say, and held Florida State to 54 points. So they had two fewer rebounds, and Florida State had points. And then offensive rebounds. This is where you have really cleaned up: 24 to seven on the offensive glass. Um, they held Florida State to 63, or er, er, to uh, excuse me, to 56 field goal attempts compared to 63 for UCF. And that made up for a 20 to 13 turnover margin, by the way, mm-hmm. um, Darren green jr. For the Florida state had some moments, but I thought he came out a little tight and struggled at times. He was still seven to 14, three of six from three point range, 17 points to lead Florida state. But um, I was, it, I, I was interested to see like how UCF would play him. And it felt like the, the new guys on the roster, Kyle were like going at him rather aggressively.
2: Oh, yeah. And listen, Coach Dawkins would agree that he was an element of focus. And first of all, let's be clear. If anybody was worried after Asheville as a UCF fan, you're wrong with everybody. They were missing the fact that that game turned close for a program that's probably one of the most underrated uh, Hmm. of the teams that caused upsets that season opening night. Let's be clear. Hashtag Stetson. Um, (laughs) You know,
0: look at at Florida State's (laughs) record. Stetson, by the way, has knocked off Florida State and USF.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, knocking off USF is a little less impressive, I'll say. But, you know, we're not that,
0: supposed to beat USF. They're not <laughs> supposed
2: to. That's fair. I'll go with you on that. But listen, man, if, if you thought this team was going to come out at missing both DJ and CJ, right? Yeah, uh, uh, CJ Walker and Darius Johnson, which by the way, I could tell the PA announcer was really excited when he got a chance to announce CJ Walker's name. He put a little bit more funk on that one. And Hey, I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know, CJ Walker coming back for that FSU game, coach Dawkins said that it, while they only, you know, he only played so many minutes, he and Ty Freeman, both who would actually return to the lineup that night, um, it may not, it wasn't as much their on-court presence as the shot in the arm it gave the team. But going back to what you were saying about Darren Green, listen, Coach Dawkins was warning these cats. <laughs> you need to get a handle on him. He will Dan Marley shoot your butt. And it's, okay, that part is my words, but <laughs> strategy. And, and listen, he still hit one of them from the U in the logo. Yeah. And, 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 and talking to Coach Dawkins about it, he was glad it only happened once you know yeah so, but the the other impressive thing darren green jr leading among scorers uh for fsu granted they're down three big men and their coach leonard hamilton i wanted to give him a hug after his post game having to lament those injuries and, and how much trouble it's going to be this year for them but give it up for Jalen young the guy from the the, the juco transfer who was supposed to be the backup point guard found his legs in a special way that night matching Darren Green Jr. 17 points
0: and really orchestrated the offense extraordinarily well
2: i yeah. thought
0: I, he was he's really been in this first 3 games i think he's really been a pleasant surprise and a real find um which takes us to monday night and sometimes these kinds of games always kind of worry me because you're you're coming off a big emotional win over a big opponent Mm-hmm. And then 72 hours later, you're playing Western Illinois. <laughs> All right. Easy sometimes to read your own headlines. Uh, don't worry about it. We're going we're gonna to throttle these dudes. Well, UCF took care of business, which I thought showed a lot of maturity. Uh, I'm trying to count it up. Everybody who played scored a point, including who are a cool Negro, a former student manager. He worked with John Whitford in the equipment, in the equipment office. Found his way onto the team because we were a little shorthanded. A little bit. All right. A little bit. A little bit. Came in, scored his first college points, hit his first college field goal, finished with four points, including a three, uh, which completely erupted the arena late in the game.
2: Oh, yeah. The bench.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, Leading scorer, everybody scored. Leading scorer for UCF was CJ Kelly, who I, 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 who got, he looked really uncomfortable in the Asheville game. Mm -hmm. A little more comfortable in the FSU game. In the Western Illinois game, he was in a flow. Uh, In 21 minutes, seven of 12, three of seven from three point range. 17 points to lead UCF um, TJ Walker again, came off the bench for 17 minutes, eight points. Time Freeman also came off the bench to add three for three on 15, but uh, nine for Michael Durr on four of six down low. Brandon Suggs, I thought played particularly well caused a lot of havoc on defense. And uh was
2: ha- the highest rebound grabber amongst uh, non post players for the, rest.
0: yeah. And uh, and even though Taylor Hendricks only had six points, he contributed three blocks uh in the game and uh and this was another i think it was just another good team win it, it, you know maybe they didn't do it over you know they, they weren't overly impressive you know in terms of the in terms of looking at the box score but they still beat this team by you know 33 points
2: yeah a good problem to have right oh he's lagged off 33 point win and listen CJ yeah. kelly said it himself, you know, This he, he kind of matched your sentiment of of a team concept and this being a collective much more than a group of individuals, you know, like we observed at times with UCF last year. And it wasn't so much – some people would say it's a personality issue. I know C.J. Walker said in the offseason at ACC Media Day that there are discipline concerns. But what I will say is even if that group was tightened up and buttoned up as much as this group at least appears to be – the idea of them playing collective basketball was far more difficult, right? Because, you know, Darius Perry operates with the ball. He's a guy who mm-hmm. attacks with the ball. He moves away from it well enough. And when they were, got comfortable in the two-point guard set, it was great. You had a Brandon Mayhan who was used to being uh, a, a guy who was a top shooter and just wasn't feeling it when he was healthy. And, of course, listen, you got a dude like Darren Green shooting like Dan Martley. I mean – you go and suck it up in there and every now and again, and you're going to be happy about it more often than you weren't. Matter of fact, the only bad shooting game I remember him having was his final one, unfortunately in the conference tournament against Memphis, but this group isn't like that. I feel like the, 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 we all know that Taylor Hendricks is a true freshman is a force and probably the main force on this team, despite his youth yet his score totals have gone down while the team's performance has gone up. Does that mean Taylor Hendricks has done worse? No. He is a grown man. And I don't yeah. care if he's a freshman. You and I were talking about and, fact-
0: and by the way, that's that's not that hard to pick out on the film, right? If I'm scouting UCF, I'm looking at that kid we need to stop.
2: There's a reason why they were yeah. five, no, sorry, six scouts at FSU, UCF, and I'm fairly certain Taylor Hendricks was among them. But okay, then Michael Durr had his highest point total with nine. And I'm not saying he can't score. I'm just saying he's not there to do it first. You meet, you mix Sheikh and Jean with Jameer Reynolds from last year. Boom, you got Michael Durr. That's mm-hmm. a win. You know, and 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 I wasn't I wasn't prepared prepared for Chu to uh contribute all that much. Yet here we go. He yeah, has hot tune yeah. under his belt. Yeah.
0: Hot tune, yeah. Um We even saw Tierno Silla come in and and cause a little havoc late in the game, which I thought was really interesting to watch.
2: He got a reaction. And just when you thought the bench couldn't erupt more for a guy getting action and doing well, here comes Pooh doing his thing, man.
0: You know, by the way. Congrats to Pooh, man. I'll tell
2: you. To the the PA guy for practicing that name really hard and getting it right when he got to the floor. I know somebody was intimidated by that.
0: But it's, uh, yeah, I I mean, I've been – I thought it showed a lot of maturity coming back after that win. It would be it. It feels like if I could compare this year's team to last year's team,
2: I don't know how you would, but try.
0: <laughs> uh, I feel like if last year's team beat Florida State, they would have struggled against Western Illinois. I don't know why that is.
2: Possible, possible. Um,
0: I yeah, but think- they they wouldn't they wouldn't have they wouldn't have curb stomped them like they did.
2: And, on and on the Monday reason night. for it is I don't know that they had the physical prowess taking nothing from CJ Walker. He is, but one man. Um, while, while, while Bakke was a force, he's not somebody, he had a little bit more finesse than I would like to see, you know, it would have been closer with Western Illinois. Um, they would have still physically dominated. Don't get him twisted, but like the way der handled business there, uh, you know, it's, it's, I appreciate the comparison. I just don't know that they're comparable. And and you know, listen, again, taking nothing away from last year's team, I know there were a lot of um uh, unforeseen circumstances and and injury shenanigans and and trying to recover from COVID and and you know, all of that stuff was still a thing at that point too. So, you know, it, it, Coach Dawkins did what he could to put the group together. You got guys changing their minds about, you know, whether they're gonna uh, uh transfer or not, and, and that could have only been more difficult, right? Yeah. So you know, credit to both coaches for showing that the transfer portal can definitely give as much as it could take it away. As a wise man on the show once said, right, Jeff?
0: Portal giveth, the portal taketh away. Um <laughs> so that takes us to this uh this tournament out in uh the Bahamas. The UCF is playing two games in and, and the situation is that the Bahama Mar hoops uh uh Bahamas Championship, which is in NASA. It's going to be televised on CBS Sports Network. UCF is playing Oklahoma State Friday at seven. And then they play either DePaul or Santa Clara, depending upon the results, at on Sunday, either at 4:30 or 7. So we're we can't really scout that one, but we'll we'll go ahead and take a look at the Oklahoma State game. Uh Oklahoma State picked Fifth tied for fifth in the Big 12 this year behind TCU Texas Kansas Baylor. Tied with Texas Tech. Uh their best player coming into this season uh is uh, Avery Anderson, the third, senior guard, uh who is pre- named to the preseason all Big 12 team. Uh also you got to look out for Musa Cisse, who's who's back once again. Um here comes another test against a future conference opponent, Kyle. So watching this game taking a look at where where UCF is going to be what are you looking for in this matchup against Oklahoma state
2: um less sloppiness in coach's words not mine I, you know i thought it was very interesting after the uh after the western illinois game a game as you mentioned they won by over 30 right jeff mm-hmm. you know he said well i thought our offense looked a little bit sloppy i was dumbfounded I, I i i i well he wasn't
0: wrong they turned the ball over a lot they turned i think it was 20 turnovers in that game
2: Oh no, not in the Western Illinois game. It was only eight.
0: They didn't oh, that's, right. About- that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're you're thinking, yeah. The previous two I'm games- thinking
0: Florida. Yes, you are.
2: Right. <laughs> yes. And and I think the other one was I think Asheville was twenty-three, but that's double yeah. OT, so whatever. It, call them two 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 twenty turnover games if you're like great.
0: That one on a curve.
2: Correct. But the punchline is a severe drop in coaches talking about sloppy offense. I was a little confused. So I asked him post game, what was it that was sloppy? And it was the little things, right? Uh, players were posting too high. He gave a very, very su- specific example that they don't have a high post 15 feet up for a post player in the playbook. And yet there he was catching the ball 15 feet high, right? Yeah. Those little details I think they're looking to correct. And I'll put it this way to, to coach's credit, he didn't make any excuses. Well, when missing Darius Johnson, but This team has come to accept that that's just the facts of the case. They're not using it as an excuse. And if a team is said to be matching the identity of their coach, coach Dawkins is pushing them hard. Nonetheless, all great. DJ hurts. That sucks. No one cares. Do you? I'm going to grade you on that curve. I'm going to push you. I don't care if you're a juco young man at point. I don't care if you're a freshman who is a man child, but nonetheless, one that's going to be a focal point or, or, or you're you're a transfer from another um from another school who's coming off the bench to handle business. You can pick out players who I think you think I mean in those descriptions and the only one that's obvious in my mind is Taylor Hendricks cuz they have several guys that fit those molds. So, you know, Dawkins said said outright, listen, you either want a coach that will push you when you win or comfort you when you lose and I'm here to push our guys to be the best basketball players they could be.
0: Yeah. Uh, interesting note about this Oklahoma State game, and I mentioned Musa Sise, who is honorable mention preseason. If his name sounds familiar, it should, because he played for Memphis mm. in 2020-2021 uh, uh, and was the uh, American Athletic Conference's freshman of the year in 2021 uh, for Memphis. Entered his name into the NBA draft uh, to be evaluated decided to withdraw his name and then went into the transfer portal uh, where he eventually landed at Oklahoma state last year was the co big 12 defensive player of the year. <laughs> so, um, you know, this, is but you know, again, this is going to be a really interesting matchup between him. I think this is going to be a big test for Michael Durr for sure. Absolutely.
2: Um, as a squad, I feel like they have enough size to compete where last year's team, once you get past Bakke, it's a little small again no offense to cj walker of course
0: right uh Saint. by the way you attended st benedict's prep my dad went to st benedict's prep in newark for a little bit
2: kevin kevin bacon rules apply six degrees
0: yes I know. so all right so uh so we'll be keeping an eye on that uh what other things you going to be watching out for here kyle because you're going to be at the football game on saturday as well alongside our very own eric lopez who'll be filling in uh, that seat right next to you since uh, stat boy drew our boy stat boy drew's up in Cleveland for some reason um, yeah you know, taking care of it taking care of some kind of business up there I don't know probably having to do with the Browns but um, okay, Browner <laughs> yeah uh, but uh, but yeah busy weekend for all of us coming up right
2: oh to say the least man and listen uh, uh, the good news is the business gets handled early in the morning I know the students overall don't like early games but listen for one Stadium coffee somehow happens to be delicious. Maybe it's because I need it more. I don't know. But (laughs) at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be a nice day. Everything goes well. You get it over with early. Everything doesn't go well. You could start, you know, uh, going through your sorrows earlier in the day. You know, you at least had mimosa, theoretically, if you're tailgating. I'm kidding. But
0: listen. Not I. No, no, no. (laughs) I got to be aware of my surroundings. (laughs)
2: Listen, it's not all about you, PA guy. You know.
0: (laughs) fair
2: point no, joking hey listen you think right. I could, you could you think I could go in there and talk to Gus not about my what's place no man um <laughs> but listen joking aside like this is this is going to be I think it's going to be an interesting outing to see how Navy attacks uh UCF's offense and John Rice Plumley. um if you're if if you get annoyed by UCF uh, hater fans quickly I'd stay off of Twitter in this one um <laughs> with,
0: evergreen tweet yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> but with all that in mind, you know, I, I think this this will be a, a a fun outing. I think this is a good experience for the team to face Navy um, and to to play in the kind of hard nosed game that you're going to see against uh, beef and technique in another. And in a air quotes power conference. Right.
0: All right. So I'll see you Saturday.
2: You will certain tie all that. Next to I haven't been, I haven't shared a press box with ELO in years,
0: man. That would be. Fun. I know it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Are you are gonna dress in pink again? Oh my God, why
2: well, you gotta hate the pink tie, man?
0: I don't hate the pink tie.
2: Okay, it's I good.
0: don't hate the pink. I'm just saying, like every week. I mean, it's, you, know, you know,
2: listen, it's listen. There are multiple weeks in October. Okay, and October is Cancer Awareness. We need to
0: break out. Okay, you're absolutely right. But I will say, listen, I'm looking forward to the student of the game fall wardrobe here <laughs> temperatures going back down i like to see some fall shades you know here's the maroon one
2: guarantee you won't see okay there you go
0: oh, my old school nba tie yeah <laughs> god i love that old nets logo all right uh on twitter student of the game kyle nash thanks for joining us bud
2: honor joy and privilege but until next time class dismissed
0: eric lopez is back in a second it's black and gold banner podcast don't go away we're back here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, Jeff and Eric, with you as we run do a quick little rundown as we we're sort of like winding down, like the fall part of the uh, of the fall sports equinox here. And uh, women's soccer is what we're going to lead with here because they, well, Eric, we gotta we gotta pour one out because what a clutch, clutch victory for uh, Tiffany Roberts' Haddax crew in the first round of the NCAA tournament against NC state scoreless after one half, they fall down uh, one, nothing to North Carolina state on a penalty kick. Then they get a PK of their own and Daria Rajai buries it in the 72nd minute to tie it up. They go through the two overtimes into PKs. And this is where things, you know, got really, I I mean, it's, PKs right I I mean it's it's always just you never know what you're going to get um but in the shootout uh it it didn't start out all that well because uh UCF missed their first opportunity but then uh when and when they were down two to one all of a sudden you know they make four in a row and Caroline Delisle came up huge in those last two frames making two clutch saves and UCF advances past NC state. And they now head out to Los Angeles to play UCLA. Who's the number one seed in their region. Uh, They will play at uh, 7. PM Pacific. That's 10 PM Eastern time um, out at uh, Annenberg stadium in LA on uh, Friday, November the 18th. obviously a, a bummer that now they have to travel from Raleigh back to Orlando on no, a bag all the way out to LA, although they've been out West earlier this year for that school. So it'll, it'll get against, much
1: warmer weather.
0: Yeah. against the, Utah Valley. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be nicer. It's it's, it's a little chillier. But it's not that bad. It's actually quite nice right now over here in Orlando, but uh, this is the opportunity that they set themselves up for, right? So what do we know about, ucla and what have you seen particularly from the first round game that gives you cause for optimism that perhaps this team could get to the sweet 16 for the second time under coach well
1: the optimism is you've got a great goalkeeper that can keep you in matches i mean caroline delisle had eight saves in the victory against nc state uh was fantastic in penalty uh in the pks It'll go down right up there with Alina Reyes back in 2011 in Gainesville against North Carolina, winning in PK, so get to the Elite Eight. That's right up there. So that gives you a chance, and then you've got, you know, UCF is a really good defensive team backline. That's going to be key because North uh, UCLA is explosive offensively. Uh, UCLA is one of the favorites for the national championship. Uh, they're they're right up there with the Florida States. There,
0: yeah, already eighteen and two on the year this season. No eighteen draws. and
1: two. A lot of these talented players for UCLA have been to the College Cup. A lot of them, obviously, recruited and, and coached for Amanda Cromwell, who was the former yeah. UCLA head coach, uh, who obviously uh, is not the head coach this year. Obviously, we all know the reasons why we don't need to get into all the, the her going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, day. we're not going Pro, there. Oh, there. <laughs> so they have a first year head coach who was the Stanford, longtime Stanford assistant. So to me, I think the key here is how does a new, a first year head coach for UCLA? handle a second round NCAA tournament match and with an experienced roster that's been there. However, UCLA last year was upset in the first round of the tournament. I think if UCF could get an early goal, I think the pressure would be on UCLA. Uh, So it'll be interesting matchup uh, dynamic to uh, dynamic programs. And you know, for UCF, you get a tournament win for the first time since 2014, you're playing with house money here. Uh, You're the underdog. If you could keep it close Maybe send it to peak overtime or PKs. You could pull the upset, and then all of a sudden, anything's possible. The winner of this match will take on the winner of Northwestern and Vanderbilt on Sunday in Los Angeles, regardless of who wins. So, you know, get off to a good start. Play well, I think, will be the key for UCF. You don't want to play from behind against the Bruins.
0: I it, This, to me, feels like one of those games where you're really going to find out the, the the character of your senior group, Right. And in particular, I'm looking at two players. I'm looking at Kristen Scott and I'm looking at Caroline Delisle. If UCF gets past UCLA, it's going to be, in my opinion, largely because those two played their guts out, you know, no, and we saw, gonna... and we saw the, off, how the offense really, sorry, but yeah. we saw how the offense really moved through Kristen in the NC state game, even though, you know, she got a few shots. She set up a few opportunities, and I think one of them that – in particularly the one that led to the PK. And then, we, you know, obviously we talked about Caroline, but it's like this is the moment when your senior leadership takes over, puts the team on their back, and says, let's go. We can do this.
1: Well, and they're going to need others to step up because I think UCLA is going to try to take Kristen Scott away. And so you have somebody like Daria Rajayi, the midfielder, steps in, hits the PK to tie the matchup against NC State, hits the game-winning PK scoring mm-hmm. those goals you need other players to step up a diana martin players like that that could create pressure on ucla because ucla is going to try to take Kristen Scott out early uh so to me those are the keys in that match but you know big shout out to daria that's a signature moment for her career that she's gonna that she's gonna be remembered for those pks goes down in one of the great midfielders ever and they stepped up at a senior right there daria's a senior defensively they're really solid i, I think it's a heck of a matchup I think UCLA got a tough draw here, but UCF's got to get off to a good start. You don't want to fall behind early, fall in a goal, trying to chase them like you did against NC State because UCLA is an explosive front-running team. If they get ahead, they usually score a second and a third goal. That's their game. But if you keep it tight, if it's scoreless, let's say, in the 70-75 minute, they're going to get a little tight over there. Uh, So I'm very intrigued by this matchup. Obviously, a late start on a Friday night, but I don't expect a ton of crowd there. There's the football team is going to be playing USC the next night. There's always things to do in Los Angeles as Murphy used to tell us on the podcast. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be curious. It's not the toughest of atmospheres, but they're a loaded team. UCLA. Obviously I, I think I'll say this. I think the winner of this match could easily end up in the college cup. And that includes UCF. I think if UCF somehow gets past UCLA, I think they will beat the winner of the Vanderbilt uh, Northwestern match. Cause I think at that point, that momentum just kind of flows but easier said than done. This is a stacked UCLA team. They are again are one of the national title favorites.
0: Yeah. Uh, last time UCF got this far was Coach Sahedak's, uh second year, if I'm not mistaken. Is yeah, that 2014.
1: Correct? They got to the Sweet 16, lost to the eventual national champions, Florida State, in Tallahassee. Uh, there by a goal. Who knows? They may end up losing to the eventual national champs this year. Uh, yeah. Because UCLA is <laughs> that good. So. uh something about UCF teams getting paired with national champions. It happens in every sport. It seems like funny how Uh, it
0: works out like that. (laughs) But
1: Look, I said huge to get a big win on the NCAA tournament. Uh, This has been a big year for women's soccer. We'll get into it once their season ends, but I think they checked a lot of boxes with a lot of momentum heading to the big 12. And like I said, they're going to play loose, play loose, play with confidence out West and put the pressure on UCLA. Don't, you know, make UCLA play on their heels and feel the pressure of, Oh, Oh, we're trailing in the NCAAs again. We gotta avoid getting knocked out.
0: Yeah. Last time UCF and UCLA have actually played once before 2010 in the uh NCAA tournament second round, interestingly enough. Uh, but that was in yeah. Madison, Wisconsin, and UCLA won two to one in that game. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Amanda
1: Amanda Cromwell led UCF team against Jill Ellis of yeah. UCLA, who would be the eventual US uh World Cup coached a few years later on that. About, what is, about, about a that? year? What a year for Tiff! Helps as the assistant on the U.S. national team mm-hmm. helps them qualify for the World Cup next year and the Olympics in two years by winning the tournament up in Mexico. She's got to be coaching friendlies during the year, so Tim sahadak fills in as the head coach. They win the conference regular season title, they win an NCAA tournament match, and then she's then going to obviously have the spring and next year get ready to go to the Big Twelve. And she's going to be the assistant for the World Cup next year.
0: Busy. She's going to be racking up a lot of frequent flyer miles. I'll tell a you that. A year.
1: It's a heck of a year. Though.
0: It'll be it's a heck <laughs> oh, of a year. Wow. Uh, another word out of soccer too. We wanted to um, that we wanted to it, it, pass along congratulations to Sean Johnson, who, uh, as you know from you know looking at our coverage, started his college career at UCF, played two years, uh, then went into uh, then went into the pros uh as part of uh, a, a program from Adidas uh and, and made his way into the into MLS uh worked his way up the ladder and uh has been a part of the US men's national team system for a while but just recently of course last year uh was the uh winning goalkeeper for NYCFC in uh captaining them to the MLS Cup and this week was named to the U S men's national team for the world cup in Qatar. Uh, He uh, is one of three goalies uh, out there for us. Uh, Matt Turner, who plays uh, his uh, club soccer at Arsenal and Ethan Horvath of Luton town. Sean is the only MLS goalkeeper. That's going to be out there. He's 33 years old. So he's kind of the, he's kind of the elder statesman out there, but, I don't know about you, Eric, but I would not be surprised if we see Sean out there for the U.S. men's national team. I think that Turner's going to be the main guy. But um, what an achievement for Sean Johnson. If I'm not mistaken, is he the first former UCF. First
1: men's player to play. Men's player, player to World
0: play in, on the USM, U.S. In the on Team Cup. USA in the World yeah. Cup, right? Wow. Yeah, he
1: was. Got in there. Uh, the big story there is that Stefan was the guy who started most of the mat- qualifying matches, didn't make the team. For Mm -hmm. the u.s team sean beat him out uh we'll see it's hard to say it's hard to say what us will do some say he could be the three string some say he could be two it depends on how i think a lot of it's going to depend on how the u.s does obviously believe it or not folks the world cup starts monday for team usa they'll play wales one o'clock monday then black friday they'll take on england which will likely be the most watched soccer match at least opening round soccer match maybe in years here in the states so uh, probably since
0: it, the last time the USA played England I think a couple world cups ago 2010
1: right? 2010 was the last yeah. they played there in uh, South Africa so it uh, it's kind of weird we'll see how the world cup but uh, there'll be people watching but yeah great for Sean he's deserved it he won the MVP uh, the MLS cup a year ago with New York City FC they got to the semis I would argue he's been the best goalkeeper in the MLS the last couple of years so I think he's earned that slot uh despite his age, I think it's great. So I'm glad he's got the opportunity. He is the first men's player to make the World Cup. Obviously, Michelle Akers, among others, has played in the women's side, but uh, that's a big, big bonus. Kim Wyatt
0: also, I think, played Mm -hmm. USA women's team. But yeah, Sean, the first former UCF Knight to be on the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup. Uh, Interestingly enough, his uh, USMNT record, obviously, he's he's been, like we said, he's been a part of the system for a while. Uh, He has made 10 appearances Five clean sheets for Team USA, but they were all in friendlies or qualifiers. Uh, this is his first match in the – this will be his first action actually in the World Cup. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, this is going to be uh, – it, this is going to be exciting to see. I did a feature on Sean when I was working in the video department long ago when he was a um, – when he was a, uh, heading into his sophomore year, and uh, he, he was just 19 years old. And uh, wow. I mean, just a a remarkable I'll see if I can find that, see if I can post it, too, because he was just a he was a he was a remarkably mature person then uh, out of Atlanta originally. And Brian Cunningham recruited him. He came down, um, you know, for a team that often struggled, uh, uh, you know, at times to score goals. He really did a fine job that, you know, during those years of keeping UCF in games uh, and uh, and we've seen him really blossom as a professional and it's uh congrats to Sean. He really deserves it last, but far from least we want to finish strong here as always. And we've got to talk about UCF volleyball as they continue to just roll through the American and yet they find themselves in a peculiar position of still being in second place. Here's the story for UCF volleyball: They're 23 and one 15 and one in the conference. They've won 11 in a row since their loan loss at, Houston they uh, during this 11 match win streak they have lost a grand total of three sets and uh, they come off this past week with a sweep at South Florida so they so UCF finishes their time in the American Athletic Conference having never lost to South Florida in volleyball never lost not once Uh, and then they sweep Cincinnati on Sunday at home and so the Knights have four matches left to go. They're on the road this weekend at ECU on Friday at Temple Sunday before they come back home the day before Thanksgiving Wednesday, 5 p.m against Tulane and then thanks the day after Thanksgiving 5 pm against Houston and that will that is the regular season finale uh likely between the two top teams in the American and also uh for ostensibly if both these two teams went out, it would be for the conference championship. But, uh, but you know, got to take care of business in the first two. But what's the situation now right now of volleyball, Eric? Because, you know, th- this is a critical moment for them where kind of like football, right? The, the, the pathway is laid out for you. You just have to execute. But at the same time, you have a gigantic – bullseye on your back
1: well i mean there's a the, you're playing to get yourself a lot of a lot at stake here obviously you mentioned the road matches the question's going to be this houston win out as well houston's hosting memphis friday night then hosting smu sunday uh senior day for that's going to be
0: their biggest challenge by the way is probably SMU? left
1: probably left they play at tampa against usf on wednesday before that coming won't to be UCF. a challenge <laughs> so if both teams win out You're going to have a... you. Houston will have won at least a share of the regular season title. UCF, at that point, to win the automatic bid, quote, would have to win beat Houston in three sets or beat them in four sets and then win by more than four points in that match. That could get really convoluted. Uh, But basically... But even bigger than that, you have the conference championship at stake. You have possibly your final statement to host for the winner of that match. I think Mm -hmm. if you look at... Where we're at, Selection Sunday is November 27th. It's right after the UCF-Miami basketball game that day, by the way. Big day on the U. Yep. Here are the teams that I think are a locks to host. Texas, Louisville, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, San Diego, Stanford, Nebraska, Oregon, Florida, Minnesota, Creighton, Kentucky. I think those 13 are a lock. And Baylor, I think, is a win away from pretty much being a lock to host. I think there's two regional host spots available and i think it's between UCF, Houston, Marquette, Rice, Georgia Tech, Penn State and USC for two host spots. And remember, they host they are seeding 32 teams this year, not 16. That's a new experiment they're doing. And that could be that's going to be significant as I'll explain in a moment. But i think the winner of UCF Houston on Black Friday, if both mm. teams win out, i'm assuming i'm assuming they're all winning out prior to that. The winner of that match puts themselves in the mix to possibly get one of those two host spots. I think the loser of that match is out as far as hosting. I don't think there's room for both unless some other crazy stuff happens. But the winner, with some help, could possibly host. So if you're UCF, even if you don't win the automatic bid, you still have to win the match if you want to have a chance to host. Otherwise, that will be it as far as your home season. You're going to be going on the road. Uh, And then that becomes an interesting scenario because, you know, in years past, we would say, well, they're going to Florida. That's not going to happen this year because of the way the seeding works. UCF will likely be a, the the way they seed it is 32 teams, one through eight through each regional, which means I think UCF is either going to be a four seed hosting, or they're going to be a five seed on the road. Uh, And that means they could be playing, At Baylor, for example, I know NCAA.com just came out with their projections. They have UCF going to Baylor, uh, which would be funny since that's going to be your future Big 12 matchup there. Uh, I think UCF could end up going to Kentucky. UCF could end up going to Penn State if Penn State ends up hosting or Marquette if Marquette ends up hosting. Now, if you're a UCF fan, you need to root for Creighton. Now, Creighton is playing Marquette this weekend. Creighton beat Marquette in the first meeting. They need to beat Marquette again. And then they're going to play in the Big East tournament more than likely. You need Marquette to sweep, uh, to get swept by Creighton. If that happens, that takes Marquette out of the equation, I think. Yeah. And then you're probably going to Because they're
0: back-to-back at 13 and 14 in the RPI, Correct. and UCF is 15, so. Correct.
1: Right. And the problem is UCF is going to get hit, take a hit, playing Temple, ECU, and Tulane prior to that Houston match. Yeah. Uh The good news for them is Georgia Tech does not have a top 25 win. They have one last chance to do that. They're at Pittsburgh November 23rd. If you're a UCF fan, you're rooting for Pittsburgh to beat Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. Rice is in the Conference USA Tournament. You want Western Kentucky to just keep beating Rice. That probably (laughs) takes Rice out of the equation. USC is at Oregon, at Washington. That's two top 25 games you're rooting against USC there. The biggest threat here is Penn State. Penn State is hosting Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue all top 25 games if if Penn State can win out I think Penn State could get a slot to host uh, there so that's why this is a huge week for UCF win out and you're in the mix to host probably as a 16 seed you're probably going to get paired with the team that's going to be the favorites for the national championship in Texas where does that sound familiar big 12 favorite to win the national title is
0: no way you don't say yeah.
1: <laughs> and there is a chance Jeffrey that if GCF hosts they may have to host Penn State or USC as a two seed in Orlando with probably Florida State or Miami as a three seed and then Florida Gulf Coast if they win the Sun tournament guess who they're coming where they're coming here to four that's I, if you I, I don't
0: mind as long as we're you know if we host right I don't mind that as long as we're healthy, because, you know, that's that's the other thing that's coming. And, and I want to go back and see this is where I think the drama as we head into this final week is really taking place. The tiebreaker, like you said, and we and I think we have to go over this in detail because it's it, it's it's not too complicated. I just pulled it up on the American site. So remember, you know, if teams finish with identical records, they effectively share the conference title. But as far as who gets the automatic qualifier bid, this is how it breaks down. First, uh, first in an event of a two-team tie. Results of, head, of head-to-head record, match record during the season. All right? Well, if UCF beats Houston, then that's tied. Results of head-to-head set record during the regular season. Number two, Houston beat UCF in four. So, UCF would have to, in order to get to the next tiebreaker, UCF would have to beat Houston in four or sweep them in order to take it. All right. Number three, head to head point differential through the season. This is where it gets really interesting because as I'm looking at this uh, Houston UCF matchup, it was, I'm going to do the math here. Houston was plus two, UCF was plus one, then Houston was plus two. So, UCF was, Uh, you see, it was plus one and then Houston plus two. So Houston plus one and then plus three. So it's Houston plus four. Basically, you add up all the points in the matchups and see who comes out on top. That's razor tight. That's four points separating. You see, so imagine, imagine Eric, the drama that we might be in store for. If it gets to this point, both teams went out, like you said, first things first. Then they get to Orlando on Black Friday. Then they get to a fourth set. UCF's up two to one. And in that respect, UCF then would have to beat Houston by five points or more in order to well, it depends how much. With the, them, right
1: depends what the margin is going into that. If you're up two sets to one, how much did you win in the first? Well, yeah, 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 that's true. That, so. But
0: but like you're gonna have yeah. people like I can I can easily imagine Aaron Olson stand you know sitting on the bench next to us. Well, both right? sides, both side, right, like both sides, keeping an eye on like we have to do this, we have to do that, you know. And I'll I, I tell you, it's this is one of those things where and i of course you know todd and myself debating this has been like a long running gag in the history of our podcast right but like this is where like the conference tournament is like you know it would be a lot simpler (laughs) yeah but i actually wouldn't help either team this actually works out better because
1: you probably for example like i don't know i mean i don't know what your format would be for the conference tournament but for example one of them would have to play a Wichita State, probably, or a Memphis, which would hurt your schedule strength. So
0: The other would have to play SMU.
1: Right. SMU would be the team that would benefit right now from the conference uh, that's tournament. That's true. They would be the one. And by, Now, if you're a UCF fan, this is weird. You if You kind of want Houston to win out. If they're going to lose, lose to SMU. Don't lose to Memphis. Don't lose to USF, because the reason I say that is you want Houston to be in the top 25 RPI, so you get credit for that win. Mm-hmm. If they lose to SMU, that actually would help you because SMU would probably crack the top fifty RPI, right. which would also help. So it
0: becomes a less bad loss. Correct.
1: So that yeah. if that if you want to l- make it a easier winner take all match, root for Houston to lose to SMU. Otherwise, just you might as well then win against Memphis and USF because you need UCF needs Houston win in the top twenty five. They need Kansas to stay in the top twenty five. Kansas yes. is twenty four uh so it's gonna be tight the thing that could hurt UCF and cost them a hosting spot if they don't host is their schedule strength which is approaching 100 that is not great no so, uh that and largely
0: position. because of the American itself it's, yeah the it's American been, it's been there. a bad it really has been a bad year for the American it's UCF in Houston then SMU then everyone else
1: Right, they're the eighth-rated conference. The Big East is seventh. That's who they're competing with, potentially with Creighton and Marquette as host sites. So, uh, those are the scenarios. And I, but I think as Todd would tell you, is the key is just come out and play well and get that momentum into the tournament and then see what happens. They're a fresher team, healthier team. But that Friday match could have you could have your first ever top twenty-five matchup ever at the venue between UCF and Houston, top, a conference championship on the line a host spot perhaps on the line senior day, which could or may or may not be McKenna Melville's last match as she chases 2,500 kills Mm -hmm. Uh, that could happen on that night. Uh, There's a lot of drama in this match, a lot of uh, suspense, which we'll get into more next week uh, as we get closer to that date. But obviously, as you mentioned, can't have any slip ups because if UCF were to, if they were to get upset in any of the next three matches, that is all that the, goes the, away it, it's gone
0: yeah yeah no you're absolutely right um the the interesting thing about uh about mckenna and, and i do want to you know get some information get get some information to you guys about mckenna as we we're, we're really getting in on macwatch we said that we this would be happening and um just to update you on her career numbers she's at 2437 career kills which is 13th all time in division 1 NCAA volleyball history so that puts her 44 from the top 10 all-time regardless of scoring era 63 from 2500 she's also third all-time in the 25 point rally scoring era interestingly enough the only two players ahead of her in in that particular breakdown are Tyler Henderson of Tulsa who played against UCF for a number of years for uh, 2009 to 2012, and was just a remarkable player at 2,525 and Jordan Thompson at 2,664. So that gives you an idea of the, the rarefied atmosphere that McKenna Melville is in right now. Um, and she's averaging, what, Eric, five kills per set right now. Yeah, five so, well,
1: and change, top three among the nation's leaders. And, uh, you know, just, a, just an amazing season. She'll be an All-American again. The question is, does Amber Olsen maybe get consideration as an honorable mention? She should. She will likely win setter of the year for the second year. By the way, add more to this Houston match. You could have the player of the year, the setter of the year, and the libero of the year on the same court. Yeah. With Because Houston has the best libero in the league and one of the best liberos in the country uh, as well. And Houston's very good defensively. And that's why they've been the only team in the American to beat UCF the last two years.
0: Mm, Yeah. And let's not forget, and it's credit to Houston, man. They really, they're going to be tough to beat, I think, in the Big 12 as well when they get there. Both these squads, I think, are going to, there's going to be some adjustment, like like we've talked about when they get to this point. But I think that adjustment, the more and more I think about it, it will be less and less painful over time because we're seeing these both of these teams really load up on the sides, particularly Houston.
1: Well, Houston's got a veteran team like UCF, so both of them will be a little younger next year. You know, Dave Rear has done a heck of a job there uh, since he came over from Arkansas State when he worked for an AD named Terry Mahodger. Hmm. Hmm. How about that? Uh, But he was the head coach there, but he's done a great job there. And look, talking to people uh, both from the Houston side as I prepare for that match as well as just people in general, there's going to be a lot of Houston fans coming to that match because they've got some players there from the state of Florida. They've circled this match. They feel last year, remember last year, they played in Houston, the last match of this regular season. UCF came from two sets down to beat them in five sets. A lot of people in Houston didn't forget that they felt if they would have won that match they would have been in the NCAA tournament they felt that yeah. cost them so they have been this has been building for over a year for them they want to take down UCF we'll see what happens we do know this as you mentioned the win, the, the conference championship will be going to the Big 12 there and that by the way Big 12 number 1 RPI conference this year right now over yeah. the Big 10
0: uh but first things first got to handle ECU in Greenville on Friday Uh, UCF's, uh, what was the last time UCF lost to ECU? It was back in uh, in November of 2017, a four set loss. The last time UCF lost to ECU, uh, or that was, uh, that was in Greenville, and this match will be in Greenville. So, you know, losing to losing to him in the venue is irrelevant at this point. But, um, and then, uh, don't forget Temple, obviously, which, uh, which will be Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, both those matches we are expecting will be televised on ESPN+. Plus. I don't see a link up there, but they will, but they should be. We know that Tulane on Wednesday, uh, the 23rd, and, of course, Houston Friday, the 25th, will be on ESPN+. And you will be on the call for both of those, right?
1: Yep, 5 o'clock Eastern for both. Make a note of that Wednesday, Friday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. due to the men's basketball game. You're going to be next door.
0: I'm going to be next door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we the, got
1: yeah, UCF we, Evansville men's hoop doubleheader there uh mm-hmm. five o'clock and then friday the houston match i'll be joined by our good friend Etchy tanner Goker who will be joining me for the two matches there how about she say, wins the lottery? They say? yeah she gets to work the lottery ticket she gets the houston match
0: excellent well i mean she's she's fantastic okay yeah I, I i loved working with her i know you i don't have you guys worked together before never
1: worked we'll get to meet in person she's finally. great finally we've spoken millions of times but we've joked about this we actually spoke this week on the phone this will be the first time we meet in person will literally be wednesday Next, well, for the match,
0: all right. You guys are going to do great. It's going to be fine. So, uh, that pretty much wraps us up here. I just, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. Um, one last little statistic I wanted to drop to everybody hitting percentage and opponents' hitting percentage for UCF. We're seeing a real historic thing here for them. First in the American, in both, second in the country in team hitting percentage at 319 behind Texas, 11th in the country in opponents'. Hitting percentage allowed just one fifty two.
1: That hitting percentage, by the way, would set the school record, which was which was held in nineteen ninety three. I think you I've hit three twelve that year. That's the school record. That could be broken. A thirty year old record could be uh, broken by this offense. I think that's the best offense they've had. I know Todd has said he doesn't think it's necessarily the best overall offense. He thinks it's the best out of system offense he's ever had. But I think when you have players like Abby Hanson and dylan in the middle he could score from that's mm-hmm. i think that's a big part of this and we'll get into this more as we get to the tournament i think ucf felt like if we get more offense from the middle that could be the difference between the second round and the sweet 16 for them this year yeah regardless of where they play
0: yeah i think that's right i think that's right all right so that'll do it for us here on the black and gold banner we got a, we got a busy we are hitting this is the busy time of year for us it's like this this 10 days that goes from like one week before Thanksgiving through Thanksgiving weekend. Right. So uh we have a lot that we're going to be covering for you in terms of basketball, obviously volleyball, soccer goes on uh, Friday. Uh The overall schedule for UCF sports is going to be absolutely wild. Well, you got um, men's
1: basketball Wednesday men's basketball, Evans, yep. no, after they come back from the Bahamas with volleyball at the same time, you got, but, and by the
0: way, don't forget that men's basketball is also going to the Bahamas this weekend. Yeah. Uh, at Oklahoma state, like we mentioned. Um, and uh, for, for those two games uh, to, face Oklahoma, uh, to face Oklahoma state, they're facing Oklahoma state. And then uh, either Santa Clara or uh, who was it? There's a, was the other a, Is either Santa Clara or
1: CBS sports network will be your, yeah. your network for those basketball games.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be super busy. Obviously we have senior day coming up for football against Navy um, that's going to be huge. Uh, and then, uh, in, oh, either DePaul or Santa Clara at the Bahama hoops, uh, Bahamas championship, which has become an annual tradition for uh, UCF women's basketball against Louisiana Monroe on Tuesday. And then day before Thanksgiving, man, we got, you know, a, a volleyball and basketball, like you said, kind of back to back there. Um, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a busy, yeah, busy time. And then Volleyball
1: Friday. Then the Black, obviously, they got the USF football game in Tampa on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Women's basketball is going to be hosting a tournament that weekend. And then UCF Miami men's basketball, Sunday, the 27th at 5 o'clock on ESPNU,
0: followed by the Volleyball Selection Show. <laughs> <laughs> Lock in, kids. It's going to get what wild. What holiday? Man. What are you talking when about? When are we, we going to no record holidays? this podcast next week? I think we're going to have to record on Tuesday, right? Uh, no, After later the- than that,
1: no later than that i'll tell you that
0: uh yeah like maybe monday i don't know
1: yeah i mean i don't care about the niners or the cardinals on monday night <laughs> yeah it's in mexico it's not even in the states
0: it's <laughs> so, i mean it might be interesting it might. they might get like one hundred ten thousand people people like it might be a record right i think
1: they're gonna be i think they're gonna be focused on the world Cup starting over there
0: that's also true well we have to monitoring sean johnson <laughs> for that you know yeah. so we got a lot of we got a lot of stuff going on so Thanks again to Kyle Nash for joining us, the SOTG on Twitter for the student of the game. Don't forget to follow him, follow Bryson. It's Bryson Turner. Follow uh, uh, Andrew Glukov at StatBoyDrew. Thanks again to Noah and Derek, our amazing photographers. And also we got a couple other photographers who are coming into the mix in a little bit. You'll see their work in the next uh, several weeks. Um, And uh, thanks also to uh, UCF's, uh, sports information communication staff for helping us out as they always do in this wild time here as busy as it is for us. It's 10 times busier for them. So uh, we thank them for all their support as well. And we also thank you, the fans, make sure you follow us at black and gold on Twitter, UCF underscore banner. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric's at Eric Lopezillo. Uh, we're on Instagram, Black and Gold Banneret, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where Eric, you will be captaining night shift after Navy. Is that right?
1: Well, yeah, I'll be uh on site with Kyle for yeah. the uh, for the night shift there. Uh Bryson will have to uh run it from the headquarters, uh, the in the, uh, uh, Bri- the Bryce run- headquarters.
0: Bryson's running it from the from the mothership. Yeah. And you got you and Kyle will be in will be On in site. Country, so
1: yeah yeah and then we'll probably uh we'll probably yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be kind of unique uh looking forward to that early morning with both teams running the ball as much as they should we should be done that game should end by about forty-five, 150 that'd be
0: nice nice lunchtime <laughs> Beautiful. I love, let's play More Number, 11 the, AM t- games, please. the please. two the the two yeah. top rushing teams in the country, if I'm oh, not in the country, but in it's certainly in the America. Certainly in the America, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never thought I see under ten when...
1: passes. There, you yeah, go.
0: over under ten passes. I know. Well, I mean, I don't. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, but 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 again, you know, we won't rehash what we already talked about. But we thank you as always for listening. Uh and make sure you follow us. Like I said, UCF Banneret underscore SBN on Twitter, black and Old You are home for UCF Sports on the For all of us here at Black and Banneret for Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thank you for listening. We will catch you for night shift after UCF and Navy. Go nights! Charge on As we head toward Thanksgiving week.